Hey, hi, hello, and yo, 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 what is up? This is the Blue Room Podcast. This is episode one. We are coming at you live from Studio B here on the campus of MTSU. We are at the BCM, and we're going to go around the table and tell you who you got talking to you today. I'm Noah B., your hostess with the mostest. To my left, we have Jacob G., my good buddy Noah C., and then we have Mark White without the E, our campus pastor here. And we also today have a very special guest, our first special guest on the air with us today, Mr. Adam Davis from Bel Air Baptist Church. Adam, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, be here today. Hey, I serve as the associate pastor at Bel Air Baptist Church. I also help oversee our college ministry there named AO. stands for Alpha Omega. I'm originally from Mount Juliet, Tennessee, so not too far from here. I grew up uh, there, uh, graduated high school from there, and had a, just a great uh, childhood growing up, great family, really close. I had five brothers, and so there was never a dull moment at our house, and Surprisingly, my mom is still alive to tell the tales, and she still finds out secrets every now and then about things that she didn't know about while we were growing up. So um, those are always good things. I came to faith in Christ at the age of seven and then surrendered my life to ministry in the ninth grade. Ended up going to Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. It was there that I ended up meeting my wife, and uh, we uh, got married, finished school, and then we traveled down to Fort Worth, Texas, which is where we thought we'd be for about three years. Three years turned into nine years. I served at a, at a church down there. I had a great time uh, serving as the discipleship pastor. And then ended up moving up to here, back to Murfreesboro, closer to home, and uh, where I'm currently serving at Bel Air. During that time, we've had four kids. Uh, Grayson, who's my oldest. Isaiah is second. And then I have Hope. And then Gabriel is last. And so there's never a dull moment in the Davis household. Generation after generation, there's just full, lively households. It is lively, (laughs) to say the least. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. Well, we are so happy to have you here today. Uh, We're going to go over to Noah Collins now uh, for his education segment. Yeah, so so I want to ask you a little bit about your education. Yeah. I've heard you talk here at the BCM before. You've talked about uh, some of the – some some – times like you were in Texas in mm-hmm. your education. Tell me a little bit about your degrees, what you've gotten, how long yeah. you were there. So, uh, like I said, I, I graduated Union University and uh, ended up getting my Bachelor of Arts in Christian Ministry there. And then ended up going down to uh, Fort Texas, the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And when I got in there, I was starting to do the Masters of Divinity with Languages and I really enjoyed it, but I was also finding it to be a little bit repetitive to some of my undergrad work. And I took one of my first classes on the principles of teaching in the education school. And that's really began to gear my heart towards, uh, man, this is really where my heart is. And uh, I went to go talk to one of my professors, uh, my guidance counselor, basically, and said, hey, I'm looking at trying to maybe shift over from this to this degree. And my counselor basically said, hey, have you ever considered maybe doing both of your master's degrees in that arena? I said, oh, I can't spend that much time here doing that. And the person said, listen, you know, it's only going to be X amount of hours to do it. And so I ended up doing two master's degrees. I did my uh, uh, master's of divinity with languages and then also my master of arts in Christian education uh, in four years there. And then took about a year and a half off and ended up taking the church at that point in time and then came back and started my Ph.D. work. And so did that in the School of Education, Uh, literally Foundations of Christian Education, uh, and so did that for my seminars in about four years, I think, something like that, and uh, was looking at teaching at a seminary or college level, and, but the Lord kind of brought me back into the church work, and so that's what ended up bringing me back here to Murfreesboro, and 
I finished my dissertation while I was here at Murfreesboro by the skin of my teeth and um, <laughs> was not easy. Had to ask for um, an extension of it, but I was able finally to do it. And man, that would not have been possible at all without the support of my church, my family, my wife. And, um, you know, there, you know, going through my master's degrees, those were, you know, really good and great. I kind of knew I was going to go to seminary even when I was around, you know, ninth, 10th grade. Uh, the PhD was a whole nother addition. And I would say that there were many a tears <laughs> through that, but I was able to persevere and get through that. And so, um, so there, there you go. Awesome. So we've got our education covered. All right, next we're going to go over to Mark, and he's going to talk a little bit about the uh, focus strategy of Bel Air's new discipleship kind of program. Well, Adam, you know, I know that uh, you and I have really, I, I appreciate and love your friendship uh, over the past uh, several years <laughs> since I've uh, been here at the BCM. Um, so I'm really glad the Lord brought you back to Murfreesboro to be a part of one of our uh, local churches. So thankful for uh, Bel Air and uh, just the impact uh, the long impact that Bel Air has had in our community mm-hmm. and then also um, on the college campus. That yeah. is significant to think about the literally thousands of students that have been impacted by the ministry of Bel Air Baptist Church. And so um, I, I just want to say thank you uh, for um, for the investment that the staff and, and that uh, Bel Air has made in the life of college students for so many years. And I'm just thankful that that continues. And uh, you and I had lunch uh, a few weeks ago. Yes, and I really always, I always <laughs> appreciate and love my lunches with uh, Dr. Adam Davis. Uh, <laughs> Credentials. For the uh, record, I don't require that to be added to my title. I'll put it in my email signature. That's the only place you'll find it. So there you go. Um, my nickname for you will be Doc from now on. So. But, Doc Davis. Uh, I, uh, I, I really uh, enjoyed, so enjoyed our like two-hour lunch yeah, that it day. Good. It was good. And one thing that we were talking about is um, how Bel Air is, is really uh, – developing a new strategy for discipleship, uh, not just with college students, but also with just the entire church. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that strategy looks like and and, uh, and maybe even a way that a college student could be involved in that yeah. discipleship. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know if I would sit there and just say it's a new strategy as much as I think that Bel Air has become much more focused. Mm. And I think that's been really helpful for us. Uh, you know, we definitely want to be a Great Commission church. We want to be about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we don't want to lead people just to that decision of following Christ and having them baptized and say, good luck, pat you on the back, and say you're on your own. We really believe that there's the two sides of the coin. There's the, there's the evangelism, the sharing the gospel, and then there's the discipleship process. Because God doesn't, doesn't ordain the ends or the beginning. He also ordains the middle and the in-between and also the ends. And so we, we truly believe that. And so and he's invited us as a church to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so really what we have done is if a new believer, a uh, person comes to faith in Christ, uh, we walk them through the seven commands of Christ. They meet one-on-one with somebody that is helping them to get a, their grounding on the seven specific areas that we kind of have laid out uh, for them. And then our long-term strategy is to make sure that people are coming to worship regularly because we believe that's important mm-hmm. to be with the people of God. Uh, there's something to be said about when the people of God are together and worshiping. There's something hearing God's word collectively 
we also believe there's something uh, to hear God's people sing yeah. uh, all together and hear the voices, and uh, that's encouraging for me to hear. And, you know, that has been such a challenge over this past year for, oh. I, I know, not just not just Bel Air, but all of us have yes. longed for that, you know? Th- that's the word I was going to use. The, the longing is what has just been there. Yeah. And, uh, and to me, I think the absence has helped us to grow fonder yeah, for it. Absolutely. So in some ways, this might be something that while we hate it in the process, I hope it's something that has also helped us to appreciate the necessity Absolutely. of it and the love for it. Absolutely. So we obviously want people engaged in worship, uh, but then we also have life groups. Our life groups are basically what you might call Sunday school at other churches. Uh, it's a time for uh, fellowship and for Bible study. And that is really where connections take place. And, and listen, you know, I, I truly believe when God created us, he created us to be relational beings. He's a relational being. And as a result of that, that needs to take place. Well, in the worship service, you know, that really doesn't take place. It's really more focused up vertically. But our life groups begin to focus horizontally, building those relationships with people. And, uh, and you know, and it's the life groups is where uh, when something comes up in your life, that's who you're going to contact. You're going to contact your friends from there. And my best friends at the church, and my best friends are actually in the church, mm. and they're from my life group. Mm. And so I enjoy getting to spend time with them, reaching out to them, and just talking with them. But that is an area that it just the funnel begins to kind of narrow down in that discipleship process. And then our last thing is something we just started back in August, and that's our D groups, our discipleship groups. And that is a gender specific of people three to five uh, people each. And uh, it, they go through uh, scripture memory each week. They also have a certain Bible passage that they're reading that they discuss. And then there's a teaching, a specific teaching thing that they walk through. And then they focus on application. So our D groups are really for accountability and for application. And so we think that those things kind of all together, if people are engaged in those three areas, then they're moving along the horizontal path of discipleship. And so by doing that, we've been able to really um, focus our church in one direction, into one way, and it helps us to be able to communicate that. It helps us align our church all together. And... Uh, and I think we're really beginning to start to see some of the fruits of that. And I think in the next couple of years, we'll even begin to really see the depths of the fruit, of especially those D groups uh, coming together. Well, and, and so often I think churches um, miss that point sometimes that, that evangelism and discipleship are not separate entities. Correct. But evangelism and discipleship complement each other. Absolutely. And, and that's what I love just hearing about this approach, the strategy that Bel Air is, because it, it's a combination of it's not a, an either or, but it is a both and. Right. And in the discipleship process, you know, it is the aspect of that we're actually asking them to engage back into the sharing of the gospel. So it's not just, you know, hey, I'm feeding myself, but we want to reproduce we want to replicate who we are in another person who doesn't know Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, you know, when we see people doing that, then we really know that uh, we're being effective. Yeah, that that's time. awesome. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about what uh, opportunities and what ministries uh, college students can get involved in at, uh, at Bel Air Baptist. Yeah. So once again, our college ministry is called Alpha Omega. We shorten it down to AO. And um, we have on Wednesday nights, we have different things. We'll have worship services. Uh, we're, you know, we'll have some fun night events. You know, we've got uh, an Among Us Live coming up here that we're going to be doing. That's going to be pretty crazy, I think. 
Um, but it's just that's kind of our large group time frame of everybody getting together. We usually provide food, uh, Chick fil A, barbecue, and all sorts of things. So that's always a good place to be. Yes, exactly. So that's always good. But then also, we have our, uh, our life groups on Sunday mornings. Uh, that's taught by our student pastor. And that, they're going through the book of First John right now and just having a really good time. And we're really seeing our, our group come together, and, and that's obviously helpful. And then we're also launching uh, our D groups, our college D groups, this week. Uh, we couldn't last week because of the snow, but this week we're doing that. But then the other thing we've also, I think that makes us a little bit unique, is we have care families. And so we have families inside the church that are not necessarily maybe engaged in our college ministry, but they adopt uh, students. And what they end up doing is they check in on those students at least twice, uh, once a week, but they also try to be interactive with them uh, at least twice a month, whether they come over to their house to study, let them come over to their house to do laundry. Um, you know, they're going to take them out to eat after church on a Sunday and just really invest and love That's on good. those students. And, man, we, in the past, we've had, uh, uh, as a result of us doing these care families for many years, uh, we've had some of the students go on family trips, <laughs> vacations <laughs> with them, We've had uh, some of these students even actually be married by the person their care family has done the. the that's crazy, stuff, just so. to see like church families like open opening their doors to college students. I think that's such a great way to reach out like to our campus, and I think that's just such a great way to get involved with the college yeah. ministry. That's so great. The, I was going to say just real quick. One of the things I think that's helpful about that is we don't want the college ministry just to exist in and of itself. We believe they're part of the church as well. Absolutely, but we want them to be connected by that. And so we allow them to, to serve. We have some leading uh, some of our student ministry, our, our youth group areas, uh, as far as their small groups. And there's lots of places for them to serve and be engaged. And, and you know, we're always looking for them to, to do that. So if you're not plugged in at a church, Bel Air Baptist has plenty of opportunities for you to not only get plugged in, but to also have leadership opportunities as right. well. So we're so, right. uh, we're so happy to hear that kind of deal. Um, so we're going to go over to Jacob now, and he's going to talk to us a little bit and ask you a couple questions about some pastoral accountability. Yeah. So to start it off, I mean, you talked a little bit about your evangelism as well as discipleship. And a big portion of discipleship is obedience. And with the community, you also have to have accountability with it. So a big portion of what we see today, a hot topic, is going to be celebrity pastors or people who are in higher positions recently have had information to spell out about them where if accountability would have been in place for them, then they probably wouldn't have had those problems. So how do you see, like, with Bel Air, with the leadership there, how do you see them having that accountability yeah. rather than against these other, other Well, we, have, we actually have in our D group is where a lot of that accountability takes place. Um, and that's been really good for us. And that's just for us as a staff, our ministerial staff. We get together uh, actually on Mondays. And so um, we'll be doing that this afternoon. Uh, and so what we do is we go through accountability questions, and we answer all of those questions and keep each other accountable from that perspective. Uh, we obviously pass around sometimes some information saying, hey, guys, are you aware of this? Make sure you're doing this, those types of things. Our pastor also helps lead us whenever we do our staff retreats and or uh, certain trainings that we talk about, you know, the, the 10 things that we are not supposed to be doing um, to make sure that we're not doing those types of things. And so that's been helpful uh, for me personally. It's also been helpful to have uh, some of my former pastors that I've reached out to uh, that I meet with still on a regularly basis to talk with them. And then uh, just I think my friends are also my people that I go to. 
uh, that you know we'll go to a movie at nine o'clock on a Tuesday night when movies were big and happening in town. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know we'd watch the movie you know starting at eight or nine o'clock and we get done with the movie at eleven and we'd sit around the parking lot talking from eleven to one thirty until they shut the lights out and and talking about life, talking about things that are going on. And those are just some really good special times and help me keep keep me grounded specifically. Um, and to make sure that you know things are, are looking on the up and up. I see that a lot of what you're saying is having those friendships built. Mm-hmm. So for college students, how do you see them having those friendships built? Well, I think friendships, you know, obviously spending time with them, but I also think what is ultimately required is somebody who's willing to take the strong step and come out and kind of break the ice, if I can say it that way. That's what's needed, and when that dam is broken, uh, then I think people find that comfortability. And, and to me, it's a lot of trust in your friends. The fact that I'm going to share this with you, but man, don't go, you know, sharing this around college campus and telling, you know, all your classes, hey, guess what, you know, so-and-so did or anything like that. Um, so to me, it's a lot of trust and, and a lot of building up that, and that trust takes time. And uh, so to me, it, it's, it's being committed to the process, engaging in that process, being faithful to that process, and, uh, and just really coming together, being part of that, and, and doing that on a regular basis and, and asking sometimes those questions. So we'll advertisement for the BCM. I, here I've got a ton of friends that I can say, if I'm struggling with something, I go to. And they're so open about it and they're willing to give me some great wisdom on it. And I've really seen my own way I've been able to confess or talk about things has been opened up to where it's not really me having to hold it all in, but now it's like a community is coming together. And to me, I think the thing that's important there is in the confession, uh, I mean, that, that's the repentance. I mean, that, that's, that's what's needed. And, and so to me, having that safe spot in the sense of that grace is going to be extended because, man, you, you're, you're doing the right thing, I think is so important. Yeah, there might be times, you know, you need the slap and you need the, mm. um, you know, the, the kick in the pants, that type of thing. But I, I think it's the idea of, man, I've got to share something with you. So we've seen that through building those friendships that it takes time. But how do we, because I know for some people they can build a friendship like that. Like I know um, some people I can, after two hours of talking to them, I'm like, I can open up myself up to this person as much as I want and they'll be great about it. I mean, first John talks about how like you'll know by the way you talk to somebody and the love that you have that they're a fellow believer. Mm-hmm. And so do you think that's possible to have a short amount of time with people, but also be able to be so open with them and just be able to confess? Yeah, I do. I, I think that is possible. I think uh, most people are not willing to take that chance because I think people have been burnt or people have been hurt by that. Um, but to me, I think that's why, once again, if I can say this, I think the local church is so important. Uh, the local church is the place, I think, where um, we all come battered and bruised. We all come hurt. We all come broken people. And so I think so often we come to church with these smiley, happy faces on. And, you know, how's, your, how's everything going on? You're like, oh, man, it's great. It's wonderful. Oh, I'm great, too. You know, and, and so we kind of can hide behind some of those facades. Uh, and so I think we've seen people be hurt after they've tried to maybe open up. But at the same time, I think this, the church is that's the place for it to be. 
you know, for that place to find those people you can be held accountable by connecting with them. And so that does take time. But then I think there are some people that God has just gifted in such a way that you, you make that connection, that find with somebody, and you're willing to open up and share with them. And, and they're willing to extend that grace and to provide that reproof that sometimes you need and that correction that you need, point you to a certain point in Scripture and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely uh, doable and does happen. I don't think it's probably maybe the norm. I wish maybe it was more the norm. I think it would probably be a greater testimony for us as a church if that was the case. And the, the opportunity, the care families, uh, that's, that would be a beautiful opportunity right there for students to to build that trust with you know sometimes I think we have to we think that we have to be with people our own age but what a great opportunity to find um, a dad that loves his family and and for a young man to be able to walk alongside that family and have those honest good conversations with with uh, with him and 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 as a married couple, you know those are those are, those are great things that I think that sometimes college students miss out on. It's that example that you kind of need yeah. throughout the college years because you know sometimes you can be a student that's like traveling, like you might not be from here and you might be on a college campus for four six years of your life and you don't have that example that you've had for the first few years of your life. And as you become more distant from that, you kind of move away from it mm-hmm. when you don't have that around you. Mm-hmm. And so having that example set and having that, like, you know, kind of refreshed in your mind, to say the least, like, and some people, they might not have even had that, you know, growing up. So right. having that as exactly. a first time example, I think that's a huge deal, especially like during this, like, you know, call, like late teens, early 20s, when I feel like you're, I, I don't, I think it's, a, there's a science behind it that like, that's when you're gaining the most knowledge, like that's when your brain is growing the most, like while you're maturing and whatnot. So, yeah, I think that's a huge deal, like, having that example set. And I think all three of us, like the three, me, Jacob, and Noah, we all, like, looked at each other and we were like, dang, that's cool as you were sitting there talking about it. Because, yeah, I mean, what a great opportunity for both the family and the student. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's really the connection we want to make because, listen, not everybody's uh, home life that they have is a great home life. And yet, if they can see maybe a godly example of a home life, it may not be perfect. I mean, there's no family that's perfect. But if they're able to observe that and see that, I think that's really helpful for somebody to be see a, be able to see a different perspective that will maybe help in many ways guide them and to lead them to be to be the the future fathers and the future husbands and the future wives and the future spouses. Sure. Um, yeah. And and I think the church would greatly uh, benefit from that. You might even come back a better bigger big brother big sister yeah. too. You Absolutely. know, like you know whatever. I, I, just sibling. real quick about our care families. I have uh, one person that I know that uh, after 15 years, they're still in contact with their That's care crazy. How many, like, just out of curiosity, like, how many of those do y'all have, like, active? Like, do you know, like, have you have a number? We we currently have uh, at least five that are that are active. That are, that's, and yeah. so, that's so cool. We've had more in the past, and we hope to see more in the past, in the future. Oh, yeah, with all the COVID okay. stuff, I mean, that's hard. Like, I mean, that's, that's one of the, I'm sure that's one of the difficulties, like, y'all are going through. Like, as a church, you know, just, you know, in different, you know, ministries, you see these different challenges presented, and that's definitely one of those. Okay, well, thank you. And that's going to wrap it up for uh, Adam's bio segment. And so whenever we come back, we'll have our culture corner. All right, so welcome back. We are jumping into culture corner. There is snow in Tennessee. Lots of it. Yeah, lots of snow. Like, we got... 
I mean, we're used to around here, like, getting out of school, like, these past few years especially, if there's been snow in the forecast, I think, you know, there, there's one year, like, where we didn't get any snow at all, but there was snow in the forecast for later that day, and we got out of school. But, I mean, college, elementary school, middle school, I mean, this is why we Our missed, podcast this is why canceled. we missed episode one's original air date was because of this snow. There was a blizzard that came through Middle Tennessee. Yeah, I'm from I'm from East Tennessee, like up in the mountains, and like we're used to this. Like this snow, we'd get like a couple times a year. This was oh. like no, we would have been out like two days for this kind of snow. Like, this was like. Are you calling us wimps over yeah, here? A little bit. Okay. A little, <laughs> we got a professor. My professor this morning, he was talking about. He's from Chicago, and so he was like, "Oh yeah, snow like this would come down, and we'd be out. You know, we you know get stay off the roads for a couple hours, but then it was back to normal. It was back to real life. I was like, man, we made this a week long." <laughs> Like, I horror story. About it. I mean, I no. So I what's what's it. the biggest snow you guys have ever experienced? For me, it was a foot. I mean, my senior year of high school. A foot of snow. Was that in Knoxville? It was yeah, east of Knoxville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, for for me here, um, I'd probably say when I was like six or seven, I think that we had a pretty like 2006, 2007. There was a pretty good like four or five inches of snow here maybe it was like really powdery stuff you couldn't do anything with it but it was cool getting out of school for a couple days so when it was actually mine and lisa's first year marriage we lived in blacksburg virginia y'all three and a half feet of snow so i know i yeah in virginia blacksburg virginia where virginia tech is okay uh so i you know i i heard people say um if you ever hear the weatherman say a nor'easter, just get ready. Well, I mean, I'm from Kentucky. I have no reason to even know what a nor'easter is. Kentucky got a little bit of this one, too. They, I saw yeah, pictures from Kentucky, and I was like, wow. They got they more got than some... we did, actually. But yeah. uh, a nor'easter, if you ever hear a nor'easter, basically it's, what happens is it dumps a bunch of snow on you, it goes out over the ocean, picks up moisture, and comes back around and dumps more. And we had uh, three and a half feet of snow and it is a city ordinance in blacksburg virginia to shovel your sidewalk and so lisa and i were good blacksburg citizens and got out and and shoveled our three and a half feet all my neighbors had snow blowers because you know that's what you do if you live there uh, i didn't have a snow see kind of bouncing off that like that was one of the things that we talked about around the house like we don't go out and buy like these big snow boots and like snow gloves and like you know all the scrapers like yeah, for... i don't even have a snow no, shovel no i don't we don't either. I don't. no we use like yard like yard equipment that we like you know usually would sweep leaves off the driveway with yeah we went out and got a leaf blower just to like you know kind of try and like like blow dry some right. of this stuff yeah. up just because we were slipping when we were getting out of our cars in the morning but yeah no it was crazy it was crazy and like yeah we were not prepared at all and it just hit out of nowhere like i remember them talking about it last weekend like maybe sunday afternoon like a couple hours before it hit but other than that it was like no we had no warning whatsoever the biggest thing was you had like inches of ice for yeah, yeah. that was bad and then, and then it then, came down and then, and then, i think yeah, it was think wednesday it was night tuesday, tuesday. I was Sunday there up morning. on the hill next to all the fraternity and, I mean, the uh, sorority houses. Um, the big hill out there. Yeah. That night, there were just so many people out there. About 12.30, sitting Everybody there. Everybody Making it, like, the hill was 
by the end of the time was mud, and then it kept having that snow get put back on top of it. Oh, yeah. So basically what happened, y'all, is because MTSU doesn't have a spring break this year, right? We spring got a break. spring break. That was your spring break. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. You got I, spring break. I enjoyed it as I do, and I didn't do any homework the whole <laughs> uh, time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of heard that. I heard that, like, across the board. Like, I don't think anybody did. Like, once they knew – and they put it together like, okay, we're having a snow day. They can't make anything due this week. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so we literally took it as a spring break. Nobody got to go anywhere. I'm still exactly. trying but to stay home spring break. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. Spring break. I got like, I'm buried for tonight <laughs> and so the rest of the fun. semester. So Hey, yeah. it's worth it. It's so worth oh, it. Yeah. I'd rather have the week off. It was great. Here's it my deal. I want, I want this type of snow once a year. Yes. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to tell you, this coming Wednesday is supposed to be 60 degrees, and I want to say, come on, spring. Yes, I'm come on. Yes. I'm yeah. ready for that yeah. time change. I'm ready for all that stuff. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, I think we're going to snow on Friday. Oh, come on now, Jeremy. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> I was seeing the forecast last week when I was looking through. It's going to be in the 60s, though. It'll be too warm. So, it, I mean, even if it does cool off, I think it's only supposed to be in, like, the 40s on Friday. So, I think we should be good. I think the winter storm has left Tennessee. So, so we had this snow, and we were all affected by it. The BCM was closed. It was. The university was closed. We didn't release this podcast. So, so Doctor Davis, I would like to know, Doc Davis, how this affected Bel Air schedule. Man, I I tell you, it 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 just kind of threw us for a whack for a little bit. Um, What was crazy is last Sunday, um, we we were planning on having church. I mean, I was getting ready. And I get a phone call and said, hey, we have a, a really light glaze of ice on our parking lot that uh, our facilities manager, who does a phenomenal job at our church and makes sure everything's good and ready to go, he, he got there at 5 o'clock in the morning and everything was fine, but by 6.30 it had turned over to ice and he had fallen twice. And uh, we had some other people who had slipped. And so by 7.30 we made a, a really late call to cancel church that day. We went uh, to all online. And so that was really you know, uh, a quick changeover to do that. And then uh, our offices were closed all week. Just because offices was closed doesn't mean I, I was still doing some work here and there. Um, but our Wednesday nights were canceled as well because the snow really came on that Wednesday night. It's when we had, at least where I lived, about five inches of snow. And then, um, you know, and we've just been thawing out. But yesterday we were able to get all back together. And we had our largest attendance this past Sunday that oh, we've had all awesome. year, which is really uh, cool to think about. You know, there's that nervousness of, oh, man, there's ice. You know, I'm not going to come today. Man, people showed up. And we had a membership class yesterday of 20 people. Uh, and just it was a really, really good day overall. And so um, I think people are kind of hopefully got that snow out of their system and they're ready to move, move forward. That is interesting. I was, I was, I was a little uh, curious to see if numbers would be back up this Sunday mm-hmm. because, like, you know, you never know with, with something like that where there still could be some ice out there, some snow on the ground. But yep. the numbers would be up. Well, awesome. and, you know, one of the things, guys, that we were talking about in the first episode is we really want to celebrate what God is doing in our local churches. I mean, and hey, there you go. And for yeah. that to be like, we you know, record attendance for yeah. the year. I mean, what, that's yeah. what's what happened at Bel Air yeah. yesterday and over this past year, just really celebrating what God is doing in, in, in Bel Air Baptist. So kind of with this like modern like COVID kind of culture that we're in right now, I think this kind of fits in. So tell us like what you think about online sermons, like and having to like do like online church. Like what's your thoughts about that? Like I'm curious. Um, listen, I, I you know I think with the COVID and everything, I think it became a requirement um, to, to kind of keep things going. Uh, I, I'm thankful for technology. You'll hear me sometimes say that in our uh, welcome on a Sunday morning. I'm thankful for the technology we have that we can able to do that. 
At the same time, I think there's something to be said about all God's people being together. And I think there's that collectiveness that's coming. Because, listen, there are things that happen sometimes in a worship service that you can't get if you're at home. Um, I was telling this membership class the other day, um, when I was in Fort Worth, Texas, I was part of a church at Wedgwood Baptist Church that had a shooting. And uh, seven, uh, it was at a saw you at the pole rally, and seven students ended up dying that night at the church. A gunman had come in to do that. That following Sunday uh, was just massively attended, but I remember walking in, there were bullet holes still on the wall, the carpet had been pulled up from the floor, and but we sat up in the balcony, and we were singing a song, and I looked down, and some of the pews were gone, they had just metal chairs there, and there was a family standing down there, and in the middle of the worship service, they're sitting there raising their hands, mm-hmm. and just that prior Wednesday night, their daughter had died right there in front of them. And I just sit there and just go, I mean, that was something I was able to see. Uh, you know, people raising their hands in worship services, even though despite, you know, losing a family member or going through difficult times in their life or just being able to, you know, get done with a, a sermon and being able to just really quick, man, what you think about that, you know, the sermon and the service and just the interaction you get to have. There's just something that happens in that being live person. So um, I think that is by far the plan A, I think, is what we really want to do. And Absolutely. I think obviously in... In certain circumstances, I'm, for the people who can't come, like even if there's snow on the ground, like maybe our elderly don't need to come out and do be part of that, for fear of risk of certain things, uh, but they could still feel engaged. I, I don't want to be the steady diet for people if it doesn't have to be, but for those that are you know shut-ins and homebounds and, and can't make it because of certain things, it's a good process that we can do. I think that's like what we're hearing across the board that the plan A and the preference for everybody is that norm, like for church at least to be in person, like in the house and, you know, seeing God move. Like, I'm just hearing that, like, you know, from a lot of people, but, you know, in different things, like for school, I know there's a lot of students like that, you know, they're preferring this like online kind of deal that they're doing more often. But it's interesting to see that pretty much across the board, like whether it's pastors, whether it's staff members, or even just, you know, church members, they're wanting to be in person. And I think that's, I think that's, I think that's good. And, and just maybe add one quick thing. I think by being in person, you're enhancing the relational aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The connection, the physical mm-hmm. seeing of somebody, being able to touch somebody, to hug somebody, to pat somebody on the back. And um, I think that's, that's where that really takes place. And that doesn't communicate, I don't think, as well online. Um, but for sure, uh, I think when you're in person, I think that is really enhanced. Yeah, I was going to say, ministry like, is done face-to-face. Like, it's really hard to do ministry. Like, it's hard to call somebody as opposed to being face-to-face and say, how are you doing? Like, it's harder to have that conversation over the phone than it is. Like you said. Like I feel like you get earlier. a different response. Exactly. Like you're definitely exactly. subject to get a different response when you're over the phone versus when you're in person. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you, it, like, like we were talking about trust earlier, that trust is really manifest when you're face-to-face, I think. I just mm. think it's so much better. I've seen it with – I go to Bel Air Baptist. And so on that Sunday – that we all got canceled out. I got a text about five minutes after I'd woken up. For, for the next hour, I went back to my bed. And about five minutes before the sermon, got back up. And for the whole, most of the sermon, I was really inattentive to it. Just I didn't have that any type of... Jacob's confessing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Grant. I was not involved. I was like, when I'm in person, I love it being in person. Mm-hmm. Like, I really enjoy being in person rather than just sitting on a laptop watching the screen. For me, there's, like, something about standing up and worshiping and, like, actually singing and then getting into a sermon 
versus just sitting there like at the kitchen table while I'm like you know eating breakfast, you know watching this watching the worship service, and then you know staying in that same spot and like you know getting into the sermon. There's something about that consistency of like staying seated, staying in that same thing instead of going through emotions. Like I found myself like you know almost having to dress up like around the house like to you know go to a like online worship sermon like yeah. just because you know it's it's the norm. It's my norm. It's what I'm used to, and it feels right. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I just found that interesting. So, the big sponsor for today that we had for lunch, our local is business spotlight, Chick Fil A. Yes, we love Chick Fil A. I love it on our first, our, our episode one. Our local spotlight is a chain restaurant. <laughs> Holy chicken, dude! Do you Manna understand? from heaven. Yeah. <laughs> do you understand what would happen if Chick Fil A would sponsor our show? No, it'd be incredible. It'd be it'd be over. We don't, would win. We'd be winning the BCM we podcast we game. We would win. Have y'all heard of pre-blessed food? That's what this is. I could be wrong about this, but don't they have a prayer meeting every morning before shift starts to pray for the chicken? I don't think. Do we have an inside Chick Fil A person here? Inside. I don't think we do. I did work at Chick Fil A at one point in time. Did you have well, there meetings? we go. Adam Davis has our connection. <laughs> we did not. Uh, <laughs> Somebody's lying to me. <laughs> but hey, you know, I'm pretty sure maybe some uh, independent stores probably maybe do that. That's just crazy, though. Like, around Murfreesboro, at least, like, you know, you think about uh, specifically the Old Fort Parkway location. They get through, what is it, over 200 cars in an hour? It's And they added a lane, like, over there. Like, they did road work just for this. Like, that's unheard of, right? They made... Like, they made another lane for this restaurant's traffic specifically because it literally takes over that square over there. I heard also, and this is from a different source, so it's probably more (laughs) accurate, that they actually are, like, doing, like, they're making more. They're getting more cars through, more people through, by just doing... Um, I, I think that's. I believe it. Good. They're, yeah, yeah, they're not. Hap- they're not having to like you know worry about you know uh, like in, like the people in the dining room and like you know having to meet their needs and stuff. Like instead, it's just you go through, you get your order, and then you're cycled out. They're not having to go back to the same guests you know multiple times. I mean, I love sitting down in the Chick Fil A, but oh, yeah. I wouldn't be upset if they just stayed a drive-through all the time. I think that'd be pretty cool. I, I think I think, you're I gonna think see Chick-fil-A a lot. needs to figure out how to do vaccinations. That's <laughs> right. Like your <laughs> one-stop shop. You need to take them to school over there. Bring I got to figure out. I think you're going to see like a lot of restaurants. Like I think that's going to be a thing like moving towards just doing the drive-through just because of the success that you're seeing from Well, with like, Chick-fil-A, I think that's very doable because it doesn't matter what time you go through there, there's always a line there. Yeah, absolutely. And what's crazy is despite the line we're willing to sit in that line. Yes. You know, that's the thing. Rarely will I even pass up the line. It's like they've I'm got a dope do rewards it. program. They've got, you know, great service like yeah. every time you go through and they're just it's just a it's just Our local Chick fil A's do a, a tremendous job. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome. interesting because they're the third highest grossing fast food restaurant closed on Sunday. Yep. But a lot of their motto and it seems like a lot of structure came from like Walt Disney. How Disney was able to implement it into the park. That's why they're so successful. It's because they're using this like Oh, it's my pleasure. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to yeah, make the production. I like that time. And to give, to give people <laughs> what they want with the best quality service. And well, and we, so we really do appreciate our local Chick-fil-A's. They, they do a ton for our community yes, as well. So. so I think our I think our statement that we can make is Chick-fil-A is the Disney of food service. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's, 
them of the, the fast food service Chick-fil-A is the Disney of it if they were to ever sponsor us that would be our they are the <laughs> food industry superpower really at this are. moment really that's what it is now that we've talked to them up very well yeah so gonna that's going to do it for Culture Corner when we come back we're going to get into scripture talk right here with Adam Davis from Bel Air Baptist Church Hey, welcome back, and we are uh, here with Adam Davis from Bel Air Baptist Church uh, on our uh, weekly podcast. And uh, Adam, uh, one thing that I, I always love about what you um, what you do when you come to the BCM to uh, to teach at Vertical uh, is that you just bring um, you just bring a the scripture just you bring it alive when you teach it and and it's it's obvious that you have just a a love of scripture uh i'd just be with i would be interested uh as we come to our scripture talks uh segment of our podcast what's what's a scripture that just means a lot to you that that um you go to repeatedly yeah probably that one is hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 uh, the thing I really love about it is the fact of uh, I get the sense that there are people who are cheering us on as we're living this life. And as we're living this life, we want to run the race as good as we can uh, to perfection, as, as you know, looking to our, our Savior, as it talks about there in verse 2. But to run that race well means that we are getting rid of the sin and the things that weigh us down in that race. You know, I, I took up running uh, several years ago, and uh, I, I've learned quite a bit from that process, and especially long, you know, long distance running, you know, half marathons and a full marathon, um, you know, that takes perseverance, it takes endurance, and to build those things up, it's so important to know that there are people who are encouraging you, supporting you, that you're not, you know, really weighed down with so many things, but then it's also we're keeping in mind the goal you know, the finish line, what I'm running towards. And so those times when I was running, I'll never forget running my first half marathon here um, at the, the middle half. And that last mile that leads all the way up to MTSU uh, onto the uh, Hayes track and field, I believe. And that last mile on Old Last Castus Road, you can see the school and yet you're hurting so bad. <laughs> but because you can see the school, you kind of keep pushing forward. And that to me is exactly what we're doing, you know, in that um, the author of Hebrews is calling us to do here. We're to be looking to Jesus Christ, uh, who has endured the race. He's the perfecter of the faith, and who, just like him, he set the joy who's, who was set, that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. He is victorious in that. I, I just got finished reading a book called Gentle and Lowly. I don't know if you've read that or anybody. Yeah, Jacob, I think you've read That's that. It. I've read the first couple um, and, and he spends a lot of time in Hebrews and, and in these verses. So when, when you said that verse, it just got me so excited because, you know, the you see in verse 2 where it says, he uh, who, who for the joy set before him endures the cross. I mean, you don't... <laughs> Joy and cross really do not coincide with each other, but that's the why. Exactly. That is the why of, of what Jesus did for us. Uh, he endured with joy. And aren't we thankful that he did? Yeah. I mean, because we wouldn't Absolutely. be here now if that wasn't the case. So then again, it brings us joy. The, the, exactly. joy, the joy of seeing people forgiven. I mean that—that that is, 
the why. Absolutely. And gosh, that it, that's it's so one of those powerful. things that you don't like connect like right off the bat, but when you see it broken down and it's like a family tree almost. Like when you see it broken down and you see them next to each other, you're like, oh, okay, then that makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that has really always stood out to me is in that passage, it talks about, uh, he, he distinguishes between every weight and sin. It's almost like he puts it two different things. Why doesn't he just call it all sin? Hmm. And to me, I think there's things that we are engaged in that we do that aren't necessarily bad, uh, but yet they might be taking us away from doing something that is much more uh, fruitful in our ministry and, and in our walk with Christ. And so, you know, sometimes I think social medias can be a weight. Uh, I think uh, there's other things that can be in our life that can be a weight that can just weigh us down that affects our walk with Christ. And so those things I think we have to evaluate. I'm not saying get rid of it all the way, but maybe we evaluate and say, Do I, am I spending too much time with this? Do I need to pull back? But then when it comes to sin specifically, obviously we're to be you know, jettisoned that all the time. Absolutely. And it kind of comes back to the, you know, what we're talking about in the uh, pastoral accountability section uh, that I think is so important. I think this also answers the big question that we talk about with the podcast, which is why Jesus is important. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. he's important because he lets us run our race, not with the, the striving, feeling like you're getting burned out, but with joy that he set before us, mm-hmm. that we love him, and he makes us endure until the end. And while, you know, like it says, there is that weight and that sin we still can have that joy. We still can have that joy because we have been forgiven. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so it, it mentions uh, in verse in verse one. It said, it mentions a great cloud of witnesses. Who comes to your mind when you hear that? Oh goodness. Well, I, for me, I think. I think like, everybody kind of has like a different like. Yeah, image. There, there's different understandings of, of who is referenced in that great cloud of witnesses. Um, my my first thought that I, I go to and. Once again, I'd probably need to go back and look at it just one more time. But it is really in some ways the people who have run the race prior to, um, the people of faith, the, the, the church of the past, um, that have run it and, and are doing it well. Now, I don't, I don't, you don't want to press that too far, sit there and say that you know, the saints are sitting in a stadium watching over us right now as we're sitting here you know, around a table doing a podcast. Right. <laughs> but I think it is the idea of... This sound wall that we have has <laughs> saints exactly all right. over it. This is the wall of saints. <laughs> but what we do see, I think, is the fact that we can see people who were faithful, who endured to the end, um, people who, um, who really fought really hard and maybe stumbled towards the end. That's what, not what we want to see. We want to see people who are faithful and persevere all the way to the very end. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be. You know? People at the end of that middle half saw campus and then they dropped. <laughs> <They're> like, <"No." laughs> exactly right. And, and, and the thing is that, you know, things do happen in our life. Things do pop up. And to me, it's uh, do those things begin to define our life? Or then do we sit there and just say, you know, man, the God, God is gracious. He's forgiving. And, uh, and we embrace that, and we pick ourselves right back up and move forward, and that's what we want to be. We want to be a people living by repentance. Mm. 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 Good stuff. That's mm. good stuff. Amen. All right, I think that's going to do it for Scripture Talks for this segment. So now uh, we will be right back, and we're going to close out with a little Promote the Bee segment to close out week one of our podcast. So coming up at the BCN this week, we have all of our small groups. We have six small groups, and uh, you can find those times for those small groups on our Instagram account. By the way, 
follow our Instagram page, MTSUBCM. It's all, no spaces, MTSUBCM. You can find us on Instagram, and on there, you will find all of our small groups and the times they meet and who's leading those. You'll also find um, uh, the times and dates for our girls' groups and our guys' groups. These are different from small groups. It's all of the guys and all of the girls. So the, the next uh, guys' group is Monday, this upcoming Monday, at 5 which would be today, the day this is being released. And, uh, and then a girls group, which uh, the date has yet to be determined, but again, check our Instagram, and uh, we will put that date out there uh, soon. And uh, vertical, every week, every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Uh, is our vertical worship service. So come join us at the BCM. Can't wait to see you. So that's going to wrap it up for us today on episode one of the Blue Room Podcast. Be sure to tune in with us next week as we have... Pastor Steve Willis joining us from, he's from Calvary Baptist, Calvary Baptist Church. He will be here with us as we've got the same table that will consist of Jacob Gravitt, Noah Collins, Mark White without the E, and Which me. Which is Witt, Mark Witt. Mark Witt, yeah, I like keep saying barbecue. that. Mark like the barbecue. Like the barbecue, yes. That's really good barbecue, by the way. Yes, Maybe yes. that'll be a local spotlight. Adam, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. From all of us here at the Blue Room Podcast, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening from, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time.